0: This week on Inside the SECA, another one of our solo 50th anniversary tribute shows. Welcome to Inside the SECA. I'm Brian Belansky. This week on our show, we've got another one of our SECA 50th anniversary solo national shows, this time we're going to talk with a uh another legend we've lined up lots of legends for these shows uh our guest as you can now see is a 13 time solo national champion he's got a whole bunch of pro solo national titles also mark daddio welcome mark thank you thanks for having me brian oh it's my pleasure so as i've told everyone else when we started these shows Uh, And I got together with the folks at National, and we started talking about who to put on these shows. They gave me the must-have list, and uh, you were on the must-have list, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time. Also, for those who are usually watching this live, um, we're doing this a couple of weeks ahead of time because I'm actually going to be on vacation when this airs, and uh, this is how I uh, get my wife to let me keep doing things like this is going on vacation with her occasionally. (laughs) So um so that's why we're, we're recording here so this is a couple of weeks ahead of time of when it's going to air so uh so I may re- reference some things later uh that uh that happened earlier and that will be why I do that so all right Mark you know how this starts you've watched a couple of our episodes I start every episode with essentially the same question how did you get messed up in this crazy sport that we
1: all love well it- Pretty much started when I was uh, when I was a kid. My, my parents took me to a local oval short track at the age of three and a half, maybe four, and we would go every Saturday night. I got just I knew at that point I was bit. There was some form of racing in my future, but basically I took and went uh, didn't do anything until I was like 14 or so. Tried go kart racing in the dirt. Did that for a couple of years. Not very well. And uh, then when I was in college, uh, one of my friends in college said, I think you should try, because we talked about racing all the time. And he was he was doing some SCC road racing. He mm-hmm. was doing some autocrossing. And so he said, you should go try an autocross. Um, at that point, I, I bought a, before this, before that, I, I bought an 86 Mustang 5.0 notchback. Of course, of course. <laughs> Eighty six. What are you going to do?
0: Yeah, I mean, all how, how of us. It, it sounds like you're probably close to my age. All of us either had Mustangs or IROC Camaros. That was kind of the the poor poor persons. The Cutlass Supreme from the late seventies was also a fun car that we used. to A lot of us had. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: My first car was a seventy Chateau SS. There you go. Not a autocross car. No, but it was. Fun. So, so
0: w- real quick, which what was the short track? I love to pay homage and, and give props to uh, the local short track.
1: Do you remember what it was? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How could I forget? Um, Danbury Fair Race Arena. Okay. It was uh, Danbury, Connecticut it was a, a like a private club. My uncle owned a car. And so the car was next door when I was growing up when they were working on it. I would go wander over there and, you know. Check it out when I was a kid, um, so that was the reason we went to the races. Not that my parents were into racing because they weren't, but uh, they brought me because his brother owned a car, and that was kind of just the thing to do back then. Great right. time, right?
0: So, sadly, it's a- <laughs> So your friend in high school got you got you messed up in this. What was um,
1: actually what, it was college
0: or college college? What uh, what what did he suggest that you go check out?
1: autocross okay go try this and so i found wasn't an scca club i just found a local club that he had run some events with and took my 86 mustang out there and uh, i was all ready to knock them dead didn't work out that way uh turns out Emerald is not a good thing to have on your sidewalls oh no oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> went around a couple times looped it and then uh a local guy who happened to be an SCCA guy come over to me and uh, said, uh, "You really shouldn't have armor all on your tires, <laughs> and 32 psi is not enough air for those Gatorbacks." So that that was the beginning for me. Um, and after that, I ran that car in '87 for a bit, and then uh, bought an '88 car early in the '87 year, and decided for '88 I was going to just start running nationals events and get my butt kicked and see how i can do so what was the 88 car was that also a mustang 88 mustang lx 50 notchback same car just newer
0: okay okay and um so you're you're now a you know one of those guys who everyone looks to when they look at the the best of the best how long did it take you to get from uh getting your butt kicked in 88 to when you really felt like you were
1: more towards the pointy end of the stick? Uh, a year. Okay. 88. Um, I guess 87, I might've run a couple, I don't even know. Now it all kind of blurs together, but, um, I ran some pro solos regionally, like in the Northeast first year. And for 88, I kinda, I had John Boudreaux and, and John Dwayne were the big F street guys back then. Um, and they ran around here. So I was running against them in 87. And uh, really when 88, I started running, I got to see John Ames for the first time. Right. And that was eye-opening. Uh, for, for the 88, let me just say that man could drive. He was uh, very deliberate and meticulous, methodical about how he did things. And in that first year, that was kind of a shaped my approach to the sport and w- what did you
0: learn from watching him how did you learn from watching him
1: uh he never looked out of control right he, he threw an autocross and it would look slow as stink and it was just he was just fast he, yeah. he kind of taught me the importance of conserving distance and not flailing sure sure
0: as so, and, <laughs> and, and how old were you at this point 88 I was 23. at 23, being in control is not something your 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 oh.
1: your mind works as a guy, right? No not usually no. <laughs> so no, but I I watched and, and tried to learn as much as I could from the guys that were fast and see what made them fast right and tried to apply that as, as quickly as I could. I think I came back in the next year and finished second. so I was competitive pretty much. my first year I was fourth and then second year. I was second at nationals, and the year I was fourth, John Ames won, and I was not even in the same zip code as him on time. The right. First year, fourth, but yeah, not even close. I don't think anybody was close to him that year. Right, so. right.
0: So that Ford, that was an F stock at the time,
1: or were you in a different class? No, nope, F stock. Okay, okay. I ran stock pretty much right up in for the first five years that I that I went to nationals was in the same class and tried three different cars in the process.
0: So I I did my first solo in, I think, 30 years, a couple of weeks ago. And I was talking to someone. Someone asked me, what class are you in? What class are you in? And I I said, H-stock. And they looked at me like I had three heads. And Uh, I had to remember that, oh, we don't call it that anymore. And that's how long ago I did this. Um, (laughs) Now it's considered street. So, um, uh, which is something it will be very, very, it's like, you know, not calling Laguna Seca, Laguna Seca, or Sonoma Sears Point. Um, I'm, I'm gonna. T- it's gonna take some learning. <laughs> um, so, have you always done stock, uh, stock or street classes
1: throughout your time, or have you varied your classes? No, oh, I've, I've run. Uh, I think I ran street classes up until 2000. Okay. And in 03, I think I ran a CMOD car. I jumped in that I had. You know, it wasn't my car but i drove that at nationals and that was an experience um i've done dsp in 01 in my neon that i ran stock and made it dsp and then that was of course 911 which sure. we were one i was one of the people that was running first heat first day mm. so that was that was interesting yeah and uh street mod and then back to street classes now, which is pretty much stock, but with a tire rule change. Right, right.
0: Yeah, so I did my first race, my first autocross uh, in my my little Honda Fit in H-stock on all season radials. Um, <laughs> and um, I, was, uh, I was slow as snot. <laughs> um, but the tires are coming. They'll be here for the next event. I am told that will make a big difference. Um, it will. So... It will. Um, I'm looking forward to that. And, and the reason I'm doing that is because we're hoping to go to the Nationals this year with the podcast. And, uh, and I figure if I'm going to be there, I might as well compete because, you know, it's part of the experience of being there. Right. Did you actually get in? I did. Wow. I, you're one of the fortunate 1300. Well, it's funny. Year. My um, my shift at work, my my big responsibilities ended right when the when the thing opened. I, so oh. I I was able to kind of quickly sneak away for five minutes and and I got in really easy, because um, I started right at one o'clock Pacific time, and, yeah, so uh, you
1: have four hours to get in
0: yeah yeah so I I, I got lucky so, um, um, so anyway so I figured if I'm gonna go I might as well try it and experience the whole thing so I can talk about it on the podcast, um, and uh, so that's that's what I'm looking forward to there, but um, time. Yeah, I I will be vying for not finishing last. So, um I was joking this week and I said there should be four steps on the podium. First, second, third, and not last.
1: <laughs> there you go. So, podium might come, but
0: <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so took you about a year to get quick. When did you get your first national championship? And was that in the Mustang? No, it was
1: in the ninety Camaro, Iraq. Oh. It was, Ninety-two, okay. Ninety-two. I went. It took me four years before I, I got. It.
0: Cool, and that car's also in F stock, right?
1: That was an F stock car, also. Yes. Cool.
0: Yep. Those those five zero liter Mustangs and Camaros are. St- I think are they still in in F Street now? Uh, yeah, pretty okay. much. So some all, things
1: all... didn't change. <laughs> and it didn't change, but yeah, a lot has changed.
0: Cool. Cool. So that was one of the things I wanted to talk with you about um, with having you on. And I've, I've talked with a lot of folks who uh, on this series of, of folks, these must have uh, folks um, over the years. You've been doing it now. Have you been at every national since the first one you went to?
1: No. OK, no. I, I've missed four. OK. Three of them for were for years that I did time attack. OK driving for ams in their crazy mitsubishi evo car doing uh redline time attack events and uh so i was just didn't have enough time sure with kids and business and all of that to do everything so those three years were out and the other one i don't remember why i didn't go okay 08. i missed oh eight and i don't oh maybe it was six oh6 06 i missed okay Bye.
0: So, ov- over the years, a lot has changed, um, and a lot has stayed the same. Um, w- what what are the changes that you've seen over the years that kind of stick out in your head?
1: Wow. Um, use of technology. Just in general, uh, people using data acquisition, where when I, when I started, it, there was nothing. I mean, I think there was a, the G analyst was the only thing that existed back then. Okay. Very primitive piece of equipment, um, but I mean now people are they video their runs, they have data, they all put it up to the cloud, they compare. So I don't, I don't do any of that. So well, I, I am still operating in the old school mentality in in a in an era where it's changed a lot. <laughs> so when was your last
0: national champion? My, my last championship. Yep, your last solo national championship. This past year, twenty two. Okay, so you have a nickname. Yes. Uh, and and I. Know, what's that?
1: You want to know the story behind it? Well, I do.
0: But but so the nickname is that you're referred to as the alien, correct? Yeah. All right. So now you're absolutely right. We tell stories on this on this podcast. It's my favorite part of the show, of the podcast. What's the story behind the nickname, the alien?
1: Okay, so I don't remember the year, but I think it was in 99. Um, we ran D Street at the Nationals, and that particular year, I think there were, I don't know, 40 cars or something in, in D Stock. I'm sorry, at the time it was on Hoosiers. Um, Stacey Molliker finished second. And when he went across the stage at the at the banquet, he went up to the mic and he goes, "But I was the first human, and that's where <laughs> it came from <laughs> me as the alien, and now there's lots of aliens <laughs> and i didn't I'm not responsible for that.
0: so but isn't it the, the 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 reasoning behind it because you're going up against all of these folks who are using all this tech and you still do
1: it old school? No. In that particular year, the reason behind it, what started it, was more to do with that everybody was racing Neons, and I think I won by two point something seconds. Oh. Very competitive class, which is effectively a spec class. So that earned me that uh, moniker. <laughs> and that was what year? 99, I believe. And and it apparently has stuck. It is stuck, and they give it to <laughs> Other people now get the same. Got it. Come kind of like a, it's kind of like
0: Google search. <laughs> so, so you're kind of the OG, the gangster, the original gangster alien. I am old enough to now be, yes, I am the original.
1: <laughs> I'm not sure that
0: they're bad, but. Oh, I think it sounds like it's great. It sounds like it was meant in, in a very um, um, honorable and loving, maybe not loving. <laughs> Maybe maybe it was more sarcastic than loving, but maybe over the years it's become it's become loving, right?
1: Yeah, I kinda yeah, I'm fine, but whatever.
0: (laughs) Um so I'll ask the question. If if all the other folks are using all the tech and
1: you you could, why don't you? I feel as though for myself setting them up, turning them on, turning them off. Having that be part of what I'm doing at an event. I don't feel as though I would get as much out of it. And I think it would interfere with what, what my normal prep is for an event or for driving. Right. It's just got to worry about, think about. I don't, I don't want to have to consciously be thinking about a whole lot of anything. when Would
0: it take some of the fun out of it for you?
1: Um, no, no, I've driven in other people's cars where they've, they've, excuse me, had data acquisition stuff in there. Sure. Kind of, um, I guess it's kind of sounds stupid. I kind of been doing it so long that I can come back from a run and kind of know what mistakes I made and have a pretty good idea of how much it costs. Right. I've kind of done that a couple of times in the last few years. And so I, I don't know that unless I had somebody of. Similar speed in the car to where I could get uh, feedback that I'm taking the wrong line somewhere. All I would do is by looking at my runs is know I was at the limit or not, which I kind of know anyway. And so I don't know that I would get a huge amount of benefit from right.
0: it. So yeah, I've, ta- tr- I, I've talked to several people about that acquisition on the road racing side. And yep. um, from what I've been, I've gathered, it can be really helpful if you're really new. Because that can help you bridge the gap from back of the pack to maybe upper, lower front of the pack. Um, And then if you're looking for that last, you know, 10 tenths, that's also where data acquisition can come in. Um, But a lot of it is you, you, you can tell you're right. Even in my first ever return back. Um, I knew exactly what I was doing wrong on every lap that I did, on every run that I did. Um, yep. And when my my goal became breaking a certain time, which I knew was in the car with the, with the bad tires that I had, um, I just knew the four or five areas that I didn't do well enough, and I worked on it, and I didn't need that acquisition to tell me that. Now, maybe I, I would have told me that sooner if I had it, but it, it didn't take me a ton of runs to realize that, I wasn't going deep enough when I, when I could have gone deeper because the only thing I did have that the tires were okay with was stopping power. And, and so I, I needed to go a little deeper. And, um, and then obviously when you really screw up a, a, a
1: corner, a gate, you knew it pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I, when I come back from a run, I basically replay the run in my mind. If I made errors, I fix them mentally, drive the course with them fixed. And then when I go out for the next run, just just drive sure sure so th- there's
0: something about the folks i've talked to in this series um all of them had their special parts of what they did um in their time to get to their some of the some of them have very large numbers of national championships like you do um and w- one of the things i find in common now that i've i've got you on the show is um all really just driven to learn the craft Mm -hmm. of autocrossing because it's different it's a different craft than any of the other motorsport disciplines um and it sounds like that's the kind of the same thing for you is you, you you
1: got a lot out of perfecting the craft yes i i when i first started i was absolutely obsessive about reading anything i could on it watching anything i could on it um Watching people when they run. When I went to an event, I was never not watching. I was pretty much watching every car, especially the faster ones, and seeing what the differences were. And, you know, ride with people that are faster than you. That was eye-opening early on. Um, yeah, I mean, <sighs> putting the effort in. And that's that's probably one of the reasons why as I've gotten – older it's actually a conscious decision to put the effort in right i don't know that age in and of itself is necessarily a problem i think the desire to put forth the effort mm. to do well at the highest level that doesn't come easy as you get older because you really don't want to sure
0: um you, you said something very interesting <laughs> You you read everything you could read oh, yeah. when you found it. Um, today, and I, I, I'm, I, I spent, I can't tell you the number of hours I spent on YouTube in the last month before doing this to kind of remind myself how the events haven't changed. The way they're run really hasn't changed much since I did yeah. it last time. It's still, you know, you do your X number of runs, whatever that may be. Have your run groups and your work groups. None of that has changed, but I want a little refresher in that. Um, but there's like things like water, water spraying your tires to cool them down. I I don't know when that started. Um, th- does that work?
1: <laughs> I don't spray my tires. Oh, good. Okay, that makes me feel better. <laughs> On Yokohamas, I would be spraying my tires. Okay, I have a narrower band. I mean, you have to know the tire you're driving. Got it. What it's, what its ideal heat range is, and, you know, the same tire on two different cars may or may not need spray. Sure. It's just it, You got to know where the tire wants to be. And if you get it too hot, you got to spray it. I don't have that problem with this BRZ; It's right. very light.
0: Yeah, I don't know anything from anything yet. So all I know is that every run I did in succession seemed to be faster. And I thought maybe it had to do with the fact that there was more
1: heat in the tires. I'm just I, guessing. I your tires, yes. <laughs> your your skills sh- would work better. Getting the warmer they are, probably the better they would work. Yeah.
0: Um, like I said, I have no expertise in this at all. So that was just what my mind was telling me, and uh, and I didn't want to get out of the car. I was already just kind of a little nervous, maybe, and I felt just sitting in the car was the best place for me to be. <laughs> so um, you know, and I don't remember I don't remember people getting out of the car to change their tire pressures between runs either. Um, maybe that was something that was going on at the higher ends. Um, uh,
1: depends on the tires. And yeah. The, again, you're running. Um, you know how hot it is outside. Uh, sure. All those things. If you bother to put nitrogen in them, so they don't go up a lot. Right. All, all things you can do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, what's the what's the secret sauce? <laughs> I mean, 13 national championships doesn't happen on accident. Um, I have
1: have no idea. (laughs) I I don't know that there is secret sauce. I don't, you know, I, I think some people have a better natural feel. You know, there's people that are very fast right away. There's people who take a long time and then get very fast. So I don't know that there's one answer to that question. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, um, so you've been to, I, I, I can't do the math, but all but four of the solo nationals since 1999, I think, or 80,
1: oh, 89. 88. 88. From 88, I missed. Yeah. Wow. I think you said four. I've, I've been I started in '88, so 31 maybe. Sure, sure. Nationals, I, I forget the number.
0: So this is this is the 50th. Yep. Um, let's talk about that for a few minutes. Um, what is it? So let's start with with, and I'll ask you a second, a different question later. What do you enjoy most about your annual, you know, pilgrimage to the Solo Nationals?
1: The party. <laughs> yeah. Hanging out with with a, a bunch of people, a lot of them you only see once a year because they're from the other coast. Sure. Uh, the competition is second to none. I mean, you you can win there. It's done well. Um, but but mainly just kind of hanging out with a bunch of like minded crazy people that yeah, are playing with cars.
0: Because, there's, I, I, I don't even know how many classes there are, but there's 1,300 people signed up this year. Um, yeah. Let's just say there's what a hundred classes. Between, I don't them, think, it, um, with the with the ladies' classes <laughs> combined and um,
1: yes, but I don't, I don't know.
0: But you know, there's probably only what ten people in each class with a legit class chance to win.
1: In some classes, yes. Other classes might only be two or three. Right.
0: So that means that the vast majority of people going to the solo nationals are going because they just love it,
1: right? I would say more than half go just because they love it. Yeah.
0: Yes. And and yeah. I I love the fact that the solo community embraces that. Oh
1: yeah, it's that. I mean, that is that is it. We the fun has definitely changed and evolved over the years. It was a little a little different in the earlier years, a little more crazy.
0: Uh-huh. It's kind of,
1: kind of cleaned up since then, which is good.
0: I think there are people that might argue with you on the, it's good part. <laughs>
1: uh, well, I mean, you know,
0: <laughs> I, I understand. yeah. What, what we accept is fun today. And what we accepted is okay. And fun in the, in years past has changed. Definitely. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm Yeah. And, uh, and I'm sure that, um, for a lot of reasons, that's good too. So, um, so, um, so for someone who's going for the first time, I'm sure I'm not the only one. Um, what, what, what should we expect? What should we, what should we bring? What
1: should we do? What should we not do? <laughs> well, um, I would re- highly recommend that you walk the course a lot, right? So that you know it well enough to drive it with your eyes closed. That that would be. Number one, number two, don't miss the, uh, functions, the gatherings. Sure. Make sure you hit those. Um, don't get overwhelmed. Just have fun. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I guess probably having reasonable expectations are probably smart as well.
1: (laughs) Um, you know, and
0: if you're racing, you want to win. Sure. Yeah.
1: Sure. That's, um, yeah, basing your expectations somewhat on your previous results would probably be healthy. <laughs> right, right. So,
0: so you've been to Lincoln a number of times. Is there anything else, Lincoln? I know that we the the award or the the big party, the big dinner is going to be at the Motorsports Museum there, which I didn't even know Lincoln had. Have you been to that museum?
1: I have. It's it's actually really cool. Yeah. Definitely worth it. If you're out there. Don't miss that.
0: Well, and and I understand there's, there's an SECa exhibit now there. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a permanent exhibit or it's going to be just part of, because of the 50th anniversary of, of this, of the solo nationals. Um, And I understand it's really pretty spectacular.
1: Yeah. I'm actually looking forward to seeing what they did with it. I I didn't know about it until your last podcast. I saw it. I was like, Oh,
0: (laughs) yeah. neither did I, neither did I. So Um, story time. Um, I asked this same question in the last podcast. Um, is there a particular win or maybe not even a win, a particular event over the over the time you've been there where you had a battle with somebody that is really memorable for you that you either had fun with or that you know w- w- what is that one or maybe even two um championships or almost maybe championships that really stick out in your head um
1: Ninety-three, okay, running in uh, A Street, and so was John Ames, and so was Peter Cunningham.
0: Oh, PD. So, so PD, real quick, was my first solo driving instructor. Very good. Way back in, he <laughs> oh, spectacular, and and I I couldn't. I and this was back when he was called PD, by the way. We, you know, now he's <laughs> Peter. Yeah. Um, close by but um, but yeah, I was Milwaukee County Stadium, and he, I was a Milwaukee Region member, and I I was not able to absorb nearly enough of what he was trying to
1: teach us. <laughs> yeah, it's easy when you're. I, I do instructing also, and it's very easy to overload people with more than more than they can right digest in one in one sitting. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. So all right, so ninety three. Tell us a story. Yep, I had. Won my first national the year before in F F Street. Okay. Or F stock, sorry. <laughs> Keep it. Um and so a friend of mine had a bought a bought an RX 7 twin turbo and I said he let me drive it, wanted me to drive it. So ran it that season in the Pro Solos and and traditionals, whatever. Um so we had an epic battle in A stock at the time on Hoosiers between the three of us, all driving yellow RX-7s. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I ended up winning the year, but I didn't win either day. Oh. Yeah. Ames won the one day. I think Ames won the first day and Peter Cunningham won the second day. And I was close to both of them both days and that was enough for me to win it without winning either day which doesn't happen real often i was gonna say
0: is that an only time occurrence or just a rare occurrence it's
1: rare i don't i don't know how many other times it's happened i'm sure it's happened
0: i'm gonna have to ask rocky
1: that question yeah i don't know that he even would know that i don't think he publishes that in his book but i don't know but i'm I'm sure it's happened i mean maybe less likely in a Maybe more likely in highly competitive classes, sure. Where you have a bunch of people that are fast. And that particular year, A stock was pretty stacked, <laughs> sure. So, but that that one stands out uh, as far as one for the competition and unusual. Um, another one that that would stands out for me is '07. 07. Okay. '07, 07, I uh, I had spent a chunk of the season. Jumping in, a guy from New York region, Jim Gary. I don't know if you know Jim. No. No. Um, um, he's from upstate here, and uh, he he had been running C mod since oof, I don't even know, maybe ninety. Okay. Mod in, uh, in various cars, and was struggling with it, having a rough time with it. And and in 07, I had I had I had one in 03 in a in a in a C-Mod car and had helped people who owned the car set it up to my liking. So I, and I helped Jim in 07 at local events around here, setting it up and at the Test and Tune out out before the 07 national, I believe. Um, and he ended up uh, winning in 07 that year and uh, had not won a national championship since 1984. And so that was actually particularly gratifying because as as we get older, we realize that sometimes it's it's uh, as gratifying to help somebody else do well as it is to do well yourself. Sure, sure. So that was very cool. I, it, it was in the same year, I also won my street mod car, which is a, an Evo that I had built for that, except it was really a street car because I drove it out there. Uh. didn't trailer it it still had air conditioning and stock seats. So, so that, that year as a whole was just very, very cool. Yeah.
0: So you've also done some road racing. Um, a little bit. And, um, I, I know that, um, I think probably Randy Popes is probably the most prolific auto crosser to cross over into the road racing side of things um, and, back. and back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It seems to me, though, that not a lot of autocrossers, typically those who've done it for years, you know, a, mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of people who've done it for a couple of years and then switched to road racing and really didn't go back to autocross. Um, but right. it, it, there's not a lot of autocrossers who did it for a long time, who finally went over and did um, either dabbled in or had any, you know, really big success in the road racing side. Um, I'm wondering if you, if you have any thoughts as to why that might be. Is it, is it a monetary thing? Is it a, I'm, I'm good at autocross and I'm, I'm enjoying it here and I don't really, um, you know, because one of the things everyone always talks about is, in the club specifically, is why can't we get more autocrossers to go road racing? Um, I'm sure cost has something to do with it. Um, is there anything else? Well,
1: yes. Uh, and I, I can't tell you what other people think. I can tell you my thing. I dabbled in road racing from 93 to 95. I built an American sedan car and ran it regionally up here and ran a couple nationals with it. Um, Part of the reason was in club racing, and I don't want this to sound wrong, compared to autocross, technically it's more challenging to drive autocross. The road racing, you go to the same track, run the same turns. So it becomes more car Driver is still important, obviously, but it, it just is, it's more car than driver at the pointy end. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, so for autocross, you could take a car that isn't perfect and still be competitive nationally. Sure. And be regionally. You, you jump in anything, and if you can drive it well, you will be reasonably fast. So, road racing, well, it, expensive i enjoyed it when i did it but you know and a lot of times you're either out front by a lot or you're behind by a lot <laughs> and then it becomes when you're used to autocrossing, it's kind of a little bit mundane for lack of a better word unless you're actually in a battle when you're in a battle road racing is awesome right it's great fun. when you're bump drafting at road america in a pack of neons awesome fun right when you're by yourself, comparing it to autocross, eh, just didn't do it for me. Right, right.
0: Were, were you at the Bristol National that, that happened a couple weeks ago? I was not. Okay. Are you familiar with everything that went down there?
1: I'm not sure I'm familiar with everything. Well,
0: with, I, with the, with the, so for those who don't know, um, the Bristol National Solo event, um, the, the course on day one was apparently either identical to or extremely close to a course they ran at that same location a couple of months ago. Um, and there was a protest um, because in autocross, it's, it's a big advantage to have run a course previous to the event um, because you only get four runs. And if you've had four runs a couple of months ago, you know, that's that's a big advantage, right?
1: Um maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um you get three at a tour. Okay. Or not three. Um I don't <sighs> maybe. <laughs> so <laughs> that's my best.
0: I, I, yeah, I don't want to put you on the spot about the decisions that were made or how it was handled. Um but no, no, but, no. but but um
1: maybe maybe it's advantageous for some people I don't feel as though after three that I would necessarily in similar in same conditions basically when I get more than three runs it's usually the conditions have changed mm-hmm. oh you're doing three in the morning at an event three in the afternoon and then you'll drop a bunch but usually in within three I'm gonna figure it out I mean and there's a lot of people that, that can figure it out in three so I don't know that at the at at the top it's going to make much difference but the rules are the rules and (laughs) that shouldn't have happened i'm not sure what the correct you know result should be but the protest committee will figure that one out yeah i i I don't i don't know that would have bothered me any
0: sure sure yeah i think there's probably could be some discussions about the way the protest was adjudicated um you know, as far as whether the whole day had to be thrown out or maybe just the people who had run it earlier, that's a discussion that we don't even have to have here. Um, nope. but, I, but, I, but I think maybe there is there was a different way to to fix the problem, whereas everybody who had traveled all that distance who hadn't been there before to see it um, could have still been able to get the results from Saturday. But that's we don't have to hash that out here at all. um, um it was interesting to see the the response to this whole thing from non autocrossers, um, <laughs> who who couldn't you know. Well, road racers run the same the same track or you know same track over and over and over and over again, and it never changes. And why is it a big deal in autocross? Why is it a big deal in autocross?
1: Less less looks at it, and you don't get to practice at all. You can yeah. drive it. Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Uh, ah. You know, I I tell people that you know, and my response to that is, have you ever run a track? Uh, to the road racers, have you ever run a track out there, and you've run it for years, and then something moves, like, like Hallett. H- Hallett has this 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 uh this corner where you go up a hill and it's a blind right hander, and for decades there was a billboard that people would aim their car at, and a year <laughs> or so ago the billboard went away. And everybody and all I heard about for the weekend I was there for the Super Tour was, oh, my God, the billboard's gone. And I'm like, well, th- think about that for autocross is that you get so locked in on on a billboard as your turning point or your, your your sight line. It's kind of the same idea with autocross.
1: Yeah, I mean, I always. I don't use There, there are autocrossers who use things off in the distance as um, as a marker for where you're pointing the car mm-hmm. when you walk a course and say, oh, I'm going to go towards the tower over there. Right. That's going to be at. I never have done that myself. Right. I, I pretty much, when I'm looking through a course, I'm looking for the exits. Mm-hmm. I'm getting off of each corner. How do I get off each corner? And then string them together. Right, right. If I don't use cones, this way I don't have to worry about it.
0: <laughs> well, and I think there's a specific skill set to autocross. And it's the course walk, and being able to, to use that one or two times, or however many times you walk it, so that your first run doesn't become a throwaway, because you only get three or four depending on whether you're at a national event or whether you're doing a local event. Um, and those people who can do who've done it enough, who can walk the course get what they need to get so that their first run is within, you know, a couple of tenths of what their fast run is going to be is really kind of important, right?
1: Absolutely. Because first of all, if you're going to go, if you're, if you're getting to the really fast end of things, you're really close to a lot of cones. And you You need to be able to go fast right away because if you nibble a cone on the first one, you want to just have three good shots at going as fast as you can you don't want to throw one away.
0: Right. And and if more importantly if you nibble a cone on the last one, <laughs> you need to make sure that your second or your first one was a pretty
1: darn good run. Yeah, my goal is usually to go out on my first run and and get a banker, 9%er that's clean. Yeah. In the and then go from there. Yeah. You know, if, I, if I get that, then then I just take two flyers and hope for the best.
0: Right, right. Cool. All right. So as we get out of here, um, you you got one more story for us, maybe from over the years that you want to share? Um, maybe not even about you or something else that, that happened. If it would uh, be one of the events or one of the festivities um, or another competitor that you've seen over the years that you just admire for doing stuff and coming in and doing their thing.
1: Um, How about if we go with um, from the early 90s? A, a memorable event. How's that? I love it. All right. So I'm not going to give the names. The names <laughs> will remain nameless to protect the innocent or the or or the guilty. The guilty. Um, <laughs> so a bunch of us are sitting at a table at the Pro Solo banquet, and uh, adult beverages were being consumed. Of course. Of course. And uh, somebody got an idea and a helmet was passed around the table where everybody put in enough money to get this person to, um, nothing on, but their helmet. (laughs) And how did that work out? Oh, it was not, it was funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They weren't happy about that. (laughs) It was funny. Uh, that's good. That's a memorable story from early on. That's nothing to do with reason. (laughs)
0: That's all right. That's all right. So what's your current, uh, your current ride?
1: You... Current ride is a 22 BRZ. Okay. C-Street uh, e car. All right. Running against a uh, Honda Civic Type R's and uh, the latest comer, uh, Hyundai Elantra N. All three are, are pretty close, I think.
0: Yeah. So yeah. you've got 13 titles. How many titles do you have to have so that when you switch classes – Everybody in the class goes, oh, crap. daddy in my class this year.
1: <laughs> I have. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, but for that, it does happen once in a while. I'm sure. But want to of running, so that's good. Yeah. Well, this year, we've oh. 79 cars in, in D Street registered for nationals. Wow. Yeah. Biggest class by a decent amount, I think. Gonna be uh, and and any one of the ten guys, I could probably name, I could name ten guys that any one of them wouldn't be a surprise to win. So it's gonna be a gonna be a barn burner this year.
0: So, so th- that's this leads me to a good question or an interesting question. So you said there's any number of guys, um, who ten guys or
1: people, I guess they're all guys. Um, uh, any chance? But the, I could name ten that nobody would even be surprised right. if they won.
0: So how often does when you have an, a a list of 10 how often does the winner come from just like I've never heard of this person and they show up and they've won my class
1: they've won a class Oh it happens Yeah De- definitely happens Um in bigger classes not as often but right. it, it does happen I mean guys just come along and are competitive out of the blue So you never know Yeah Set emotions. Anybody else can do it. So sure, sure.
0: All right. Before we head out, is there any any group of folks you want to thank for helping you along the way?
1: Wow, lots of people that have helped me along the way. Um, I mean, like I said before, John Ames early on kind of offered me a lot of advice, kind of helped me out when I first started. Um, so that was that was kind of cool. Uh, Kathy Barnes, very very supportive all the way around um, uh, Brian Connors and Pat Salerno have kind of been you know Brian carts my tires out to nationals because I don't trailer I always drive so and Bob Davis carts some of my tires out to nationals so <laughs> but uh, yeah I mean I enjoy helping people more. More as I get older, I really is kind of. I teach, I like, I'll tell all my competitors exactly what I'm doing for par setup and try and get. I like the competition, I like people to press, and we got that this year,
0: right? Who's an up and comer we should be looking out for in my class, in your class, or, or anyone else you've that's caught your eye.
1: Well, I know. I mean, in my class, uh, the guy from Philly, Kenny Roller, he he was fourth last year. Um, he's he's been very quick, and he's uh, he's twenty five, young guy. So he's. I think he was rookie of the year a couple of years ago. Um, okay. He's or in nineteen, yeah, twenty twenty or nineteen, I forget. Um, so he'll end up getting some. He's quick. Uh, I I don't know if I don't like you pay attention to everybody that's running in your class for the most part. Right. So better knowledge there. I'm sure there's always somebody coming along. Sure. Sure. The Last 10 years, we got Tom O'Gorman, Brian Heikotter, you know, guys like that just show up and are like aliens right away. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome.
0: Mark. Thank you. I appreciate you taking the time with us. Um, look forward to watching you and and see if you can grab number 14 this year at the 50th
1: um yep. that, that'd Up be there. pretty epic right yeah it's gonna be uh gonna be fun i hope to see you out there and uh thank you for the time uh
0: my pleasure my pleasure all right mark daddy our guest we've got uh um a couple of more preview shows with uh Larry Lefty McLeod coming up here in a couple of weeks, so stick around for that. That's going to do it for another episode of Inside the SCCA. If you like what you're hearing or seeing, subscribe to the Racing Wire Podcast Network or the Racing Network on YouTube. So you won't miss any episodes. It would also be great if you leave a comment, especially if it's a good one. If it's not a good one, put it on someone else's Facebook page. You can also follow us on social media. Uh, on Twitter, it's at RacingWireNet. There's a new Inside the SCCA every week. i Brian Bolanski. Have yourself a fantastic weekend. Stay safe and go play with cards.
1: I'm Dorsey Schrader, and when I'm on my way to race, I'll listen to the SCCA podcast, Inside the Short Bus.
0: Inside the SCCA is a presentation of the Racing Wire Podcast Network and Rural 15 Productions. This podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, or sponsored by the Sports Car Club of America. The views expressed within are those of the host and our guests and not that of the SCCA.